T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Boy, if the Eagles can come up with their one turnover of the game right here, that would be ceiling. It is second down and two. Brady with White to his right. Brady back again. He steps up, he's hit, and falls forward. He fumbled and he it. fumbles the football, and the Eagles have it. It is recovered by... Yeah, it is unrecovered by Bournette. 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 Brady fumbles, and Bournette has the ball. They finally the hit turnover. Brady. They finally hit Tom Brady, and Barnett comes up with the football. Oh, there is that turnover we prayed for. Welcome back. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack now. It is Saturday at noon. Time for Tell Us Your Story, sponsored by Meridian Bank, one of the area's best business banks. Learn why at meridianbanker.com slash WIP. Well, you just heard one of the great plays in our city's sports history, and the man who executed it, Brandon Graham, came to the Eagles as a first-round pick out of University of Michigan in 2010. Through four head coaches and five defensive coordinators, he has been a solid foundation on defense. He is now the longest tenured athlete in Philadelphia, and he joins us. Brandon, thanks so much for being our guest. Oh, man, I appreciate y'all having me on. So you were, uh, we always like to start at the beginning. You were born in Detroit, um, great city. Um, What was your first football experience? What do you remember about a kid kind of turning on to football? When I first started uh, football, um, you know, everything was good until we put the pads on. <laughs> Once we put the pads on, um, it was I was a big for my age, so I went against a bigger guy that was more experienced, and he ran me over, and I caught a stinger in my shoulder. I remember standing over with my dad and telling him, you know, I, I, I don't want to play no more. Uh, I didn't practice the rest of the day. And I, I told him, actually, that I didn't want to play no more. I want to quit. And so uh, we was talking in the car. I remember him just saying, like, just finish out the year since you started it because once you start something, he he wanted me to finish it. So I did it for him that year, but I really didn't play as much. Um, It was more learning that year. And then the following year I did it again just for him because I knew he was kind of sad that I didn't play uh, or didn't want to play, but I did it for him again. And by the time my third year, once I got a little more experience, that's when things started to connect really click and man um that's when uh things started to take off for the good uh in my how old how old were you at the at the beginning of the story i was seven seven Seven. okay (laughs) and then uh by the time i got to 10 uh that was i had one mvp of the team that year uh my last year on the c team it was like seven to ten and then you go 11 12 for the b team then 13 14 and sometimes it's 15 if you have a late birthday, like uh, November, December, well, before the first game, you have to be 15 after the first four, I mean, after the first game of the season. Uh, so a lot of guys either go to go to high school and play ninth grade, or, or some people play for their seven year. And we used to get seven year trophies uh, if you if you stayed that long. So, <laughs> well, once yeah, it was cool. yeah, but once you got you know, once you got the hang of it, and once you got into it, you got real good real fast. And uh, by the time you get to high school. Uh, Crockett High School, which for folks don't know Detroit, that's a Votech school. Uh, you go there, and um, you're kind of Mister Everything there. You're playing offensive line, you're playing linebacker, you're doing the punting, you're doing the place kicking. Um, 
And I remember talking to you when we did the thing together a couple weeks ago at the at the Pyramid Club. You were talking about uh, you know the things that you were up against at, at Crockett because it wasn't the richest school and it didn't have all the great facilities and the locker room was pretty primitive. Uh, and you said that there were no lights on the field. So in the wintertime, late in the season, when you guys would practice would run late and it was starting to get dark, uh, the parents would pull up in their cars and turn their headlights on to light the field so that you could finish practice. Yeah, and we used to, so, I mean, you know, and, and you know the sky is still pretty dark, especially if you don't have overhead lights. And so uh, sometimes when we throw the ball too high up, you know, you, the receivers wouldn't catch it because they couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like if you're not, if you didn't keep it low enough uh, for the lights to hit it, uh, most of the time we just out there, you know, pretty much it was just for the experience of just saying that we did it. Uh, at night with, with, with lights like this. It's just for the story. Uh, but I think that, uh, yeah, well, we had to use the middle school uh, for, our, for our weight room, and then um, we used somebody else's field. But our school was on there. It was just a trailer. But uh, it was more the little league that played on the field that we played on. And they called it the Dust Bowl because it, it had, like, the grass was not growing as good on there, and it looked like it's almost sand, but it was mud. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was what we had, man. And it, it got me to where I needed to, where I needed to go. So, mm-hmm. you know, we made sure we took care of it. You mentioned your father earlier. Um, tell us about your family growing up, um, what your parents did, siblings. Give us a little background there. So, uh, growing up, I lived, uh, with my mom. Uh, it was me, my mom, my sister and my dad. He was in my life, but, uh, you know, we didn't live, we didn't live together. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, my dad, was, uh, he's a truck driver. Uh, he drives semis, and my mom, she used to work at Chrysler. Um, but now um, that I'm here where I am, where I am uh, she doesn't work there anymore. So, uh, But, yeah, growing up, we pretty much uh, was able – I was able to do a lot as a kid. I still talk about it to this day. It's like my mom kind of said, if you get good grades, then you can do whatever you want. You know, as long as the grades is good, mm-hmm. uh, I don't have a problem with a lot of stuff. So – you know, uh, I, I'm I'm thankful uh, that you know I didn't get into too much trouble. But man, I, I show grew up, you know, really experiencing a lot because I was the oldest of my sisters. So I got three sisters, but I um, but I got two on my dad, one on my my mom, and me and my mom and my sister we all lived together. So I had to uh, help my my little sister, and I had to be the role model. And you know, not having no brothers, football was pretty much what what helped me uh navigating the coaches uh my dad of course um you know this helped me with my decision making because uh man it was tough you know coming up in michigan in detroit you know at that and so uh making the right choices sometimes was 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 kind of hard because of some of the temptations that was around yep yeah well you were but you were you were really a good high school player i mean you were the best player in the state you were parade magazine all-american which is a big deal uh, you were Mr. Football in the state of Michigan in your senior year. So everybody knew who you were, uh, and I suspect that the recruiters had no trouble finding you. Um, your decision, yeah. what was the recruiting process like, and did you? was it one of those things that you just kind of were a Detroit kid and you always wanted to play at Michigan? Is that why you went there, or did, did Lloyd Carr offer you something else that the other coaches did not? No, so every, um, every year, I mean, my, me and my dad, we would, I mean, he would cut my hair on Saturdays and we watch a Michigan game. Um, the Michigan game, and just and then we would watch the Lions, and I was a big Lions fan too, because uh, you know we always wanted we always wanted them to win, and watching Barry Sanders during them times, just like man, if we just get them some help, uh, <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> I got bad news that that's still going on out there. I know, I know it is. It always it's it tough always team to root for. Thing. Oh, it was tough. And it seemed like the same things happened. The games that we supposed to win, we end up losing in the end. And so it's just like, um, yeah, it was always heartbreakers. But I grew up, uh, you know, Michigan because my dad was, he still is, big Michigan fan, followed the team, and most of my family uh, was Michigan. So when Michigan came knocking at the door uh, after my junior season, going into my senior year, uh, they was the first people I committed to. And then after that, so many people started coming. Uh, once, once Michigan offered uh, me a scholarship, and Penn State was one that was on me to the end, trying to get me to flip. 
because they used to talk about, um, you know, the guys that's there and linebacker you and oh, all yeah. that stuff. And so, yeah, so it was, it was, it was tough, but I knew I always wanted to go to Michigan. So it says, at least in something I read, that you showed up as a freshman, uh, 6'2", 295 pounds, which is a whole lot bigger than you are even now. Um, mm-hmm. Is that right? Were you uh, and and were you going to play linebacker or DN? I know that that's been something that's been going on your whole career. But what was what was the plan when you showed up? So I was I came out of line was well, I came out of my senior season a linebacker, but then I played in the U.S. Army All American Bowl, and so in Michigan you can't play you can't go out of state to play in any All Star games or you'd be suspended from spring spring sports, and mm-hmm. so. I end up going anyway because I just was like, man, a lot of guys don't go because they're scared of that. But I'm just like, man, you you, you don't get this opportunity all the time. And um, I want to play in it. And so I end up going. So I got suspended from spring sports where I couldn't play. I couldn't run track. I couldn't do a lot of stuff. So I kind of just relaxed and chilled and didn't do – just immature at the time, didn't know that – I just was looking for a break uh, because of how much I worked all the time. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't know – I didn't know better. My coach kept telling me to work out, man, make sure you're working out, make sure you're doing this, staying ready. And I didn't listen. I was senioritis, enjoying my senior year. Ended up getting big, went from 240 to 295 in like Whoa. four months, five months. And just eating, eating late, partying, just, man, I mean, acting like I ain't going to Michigan. Jeez. Well, hey, listen, were you still were you still working the grill at McDonald's? Is that what was doing oh, this to yep, you? That was doing it too. That was <laughs> that was it too. And so that's what I, <laughs> so that's what got me. Uh, you know, once I came back up there to the school, and they seen how big I got. Coach Carr looked at everybody. I remember it was like jokes going around. Uh, just people just you know kind of laughing, and they said, "Oh, that's your linebacker." Well, he going They moved me to D line room real quick, so I end up going in there and you know that was the best thing that could have happened to me because i had like guys like lamar woodley uh who else tim jameson um uh rondell biggs i had a lot of older guys in my room that really helped me um for that for that year uh coming in because you know i i didn't i had it all wrong on what i thought i was gonna do and you know them guys kind of you know, brought me back to reality and, and just showed me how to work. And once Lamar Whitley was one of the guys that took me under his wing when I got up there and, you know, would invite me to his house and we'd do some stuff. And, you know, we had conversations. And he was like, man, don't blow this opportunity because uh, you got a hell of an opportunity ahead of you and, you know, stuff like that. So I, I credit him, uh, too, especially during the time where I had to kind of make up for what I what I lost because man I came in a linebacker but now I had to learn how to play D line so <laughs> that was man that was it was crazy my focus was different now I had to go get quarterbacks other than trying to intercept the quarterback well it turned out to be not that tough a transition because once you went to the defensive line you played you did play really good I mean I remember one of the sophomore junior year I remember you had a huge game against Notre Dame you had like three and a half or four sacks oh, yeah. against them and yeah. you know that that one kind of put you on the map and then you know you're you were the team MVP uh your last two years there uh you're the team captain uh and then in the senior year you're an all-american and you're having you're just having a great career and I remember you telling me one time um how it was it, it was sort of a twofold maturity for you because it was maturing as a player but it was also maturing as a man and learning what it means to be a leader when you become a team captain and I remember you told me that your your high school coach uh had an expression which I th- I had never heard before, but I thought was great. He said, leadership is demonstrated, it's not announced. In other words, it's something you have to live every day. Uh, and mm-hmm. obviously, you sort of took that to heart by the time you got to Michigan, and you really grew into it. Yeah, and, you know, I, I just know that I like to talk anyway when I'm playing, but I got to be about it. I got to make sure I'm putting that work in uh, and showing people um, what it is I'm saying I'm doing, too, because that's really – what it is, I don't want to even. Have, I want you to see exactly. I don't even have to say anything. I just you. You just watch me. Watch me work and know that it means something to me, and I hope it means something to you because I gotta trust you just as much as you trust me as your leader. So yeah, I, I always try to even this year. Even this year coming up, I'm like, man, this could be potentially my last year, but I'm gonna make sure I I, I give it everything I got for the boys. You know, as far as you know, being the leader. 
of, of doing and, and just being there for teammates and during different times, you know, that, that comes up in our, in our lives. Brandon Graham is our guest on Tell Us Your Story today. Um, so um, you go through Michigan, uh, MVP of the team twice, big game at the Senior Bowl in 2010, and then comes the 2010 draft. Um, what did you expect going in? You know, kind of what teams had talked to you? Were the Eagles on the radar? Play it out kind of leading up to draft day. So I was working out up in Ann Arbor. Uh, I had just got my agent. Um, and, you know, he was telling me, man, you know, some people saying late first round, second round. Um, and, you know, I was just, I just remember being excited during that time because I was just like, man, at least I'm getting drafted. I'm happy wherever I get drafted. I can't wait uh, because I feel like it don't matter where I go. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to show them why they picked me. And so that's where, that's what I was kind of banking on so I was just working out I go to the uh I got invited to the combine I played in the senior bowl I got MVP of the senior bowl um in January that was Mm -hmm. the first thing I did then I ended up going to um the Indianapolis ran my 40 ran my second 40 blew my hamstring so I was done for the day Mm -hmm. uh but my pro day that's when everything took off for me I felt because um, you know, me hurting my hamstring, it was just like a, a, a mild strain, but um, I didn't get to do no I do no workouts or running tests like everybody else, so I ended up having to wait till my pro day. It was like three weeks later, and I killed the pro day. Um, draft come up. I mean, I don't know where I'm going to go. I know that the cameras was with me that day, but I know that just because the camera's with you that day don't mean you're going to get picked that day sometimes. And so that's why I didn't want to go to New York because I got invited down there. Uh, but I just didn't want the embarrassment if I didn't go because I know my, my agent had was just being real with me and telling me you could be potentially second round, um, you know, first, second round, but you, you've made yourself uh, some money at the senior bowl. But, you know, I just, I'm just, I'm just being honest with you first or second. And so the Eagles traded up. I remember, I remember the Miami saying that they was gonna get me. They wanted to get me, and I spent a lot of time with them too, uh, Miami uh, before before uh, draft. And so I was like, man, at ten, I was like, oh man, Miami, they gonna get me. They gonna get me. And once I didn't hear nothing, and then I seen the pick, I was just like, oh, like so. It was a lot of stress during them times because you really felt you knew. Okay, in the beginning, you knew who was going. And Dominican Sue, you got Sam Bradford and Dominican Sue, and you had. Uh, uh, I forgot who went three, uh, but I know that it was, you know, guys that solid, oh, Gerald McCoy, uh, guys that solidified their spots already. And so I was thinking, man, if I go 15 to 20, that's that's nice. You know, uh, <laughs> I just remember saying that. And then, boy, the Eagles traded up, and my phone was blowing up. Oh, man, and it was uh, Howie first. And then uh-huh. Coach Reed. And they said, we're going to take you with this pick next and all this. And, man, I just was – it was – yeah, I was excited. So, so excited. Well, just there was a lot of – Well, as you know, there uh, – well, as you certainly found out, there was a lot of chatter in Philadelphia about it because when the Eagles – the Eagles actually had – as you said, they had to trade up to get that spot. And then there's all kinds of talk, okay, who are they trading up for? Uh, and there was a, a lot of discussion about Earl Thomas, who was a really good player out of Texas, and the Eagles were looking for a safety, somebody to take over for Brian Dawkins. So that kind of made sense. Um, and then you were selected, and then began the whole discussion, well, should they have taken Earl Thomas, or should they have taken Jason Pierre-Paul, or the other guys that were there? So, I mean, when you arrived for town, were you aware that there was all of this kind of feeling among the fans that, you know, okay, we got this guy, but we're not sure he's the right guy? Nope, I didn't. I didn't know none of that until I got hurt, and then that's when everything started popping out. Man, we should have took Earl Thomas. We should have took Pierre Paul. We had this guy, and we got this bus, Brandon Graham. And I mean, I used to not like it here, boy, at all, because the fans was just giving it to me. And I remember going back with the fan, back and forth with the fans, and just you know, they're just letting them. Letting them get me out of being who I am uh, because I was uh, insecure about where I was in my career because I ended up getting hurt my first year. And then both of the boys got all pros. I think they got uh, pro bowls them years. Uh, but I know Jason Pierre-Paul won the Super Bowl the second year yeah. in the league. And then you get Earl Thomas to be, just be the dog that you just 
knew that it could have been with the Eagles. You know what I'm saying? So it was yep. like, man, I had to live through that. I was, you know, stressing during them times, but I, I credit uh, just, you know, being able to lean on Trent Cole and, and, uh, and, and you know, uh, Jason Peters because then with the guys who helped me and just told me, like, man, make sure that you just come to practice every day. It's going to change for you. Just believe it. Just It's going to change. And they used to tell me that all the time. And, man, when – when that Super Bowl stuff came and I made that play, it was just like, wow. Like, I remember just where I was and didn't want to be here at this time and wanted to sign the one-year deal with the Giants. But I ended up going with, with the Eagles because I was just like, you know what? My wife, wife was just telling me not to make an emotional decision. Let's, let's go with the security of the team. And you already know the Eagles, so – you might as well uh, just go ahead and do it. And it paid off with that Super Bowl because, man, I'm telling you, um, I, I, I was really hurting during them times, but I, I'm glad I didn't make that decision, especially when Chip came because when Chip came, uh, that was I was in a bad spot during them times. <laughs> yeah, well, not, not alone. Mm-hmm. And, and and what um, what you're referring to is 2015 when you were free agent and, and – uh, came close to signing with the Giants. Let me ask one question, then we'll go to a break and then uh, go through, get to that Super Bowl. Uh, one of the challenges you had er, through the, well, through most of your career is that the team kept changing coaches and defensive coordinators. I mentioned at the start, you played for four coaches here. Uh, if I have the order right, it went from Sean McDermott to Juan Castillo to Todd Bowles to Billy Davis, then to Jim Schwartz. Uh, so you're now in your sixth, I guess, defensive coordinator. And your position kept moving back and forth. You were, you know, a hand on the ground guy, and then you're standing up. And and what kind of challenge did that place on you? Uh, so at the time that I went from uh, putting my hand in the dirt, I was 285. And then when you play outside linebacker, you have to be a little more light on your feet. So they expect you to be around, well, I know Chip did, around 265, 270. And so that was one of the things that probably rubbed him the wrong way in the beginning uh, when I when I had to make that transition uh, to lose the weight. I was still I still was kind of in as a DN. I still I came in two eighty five, and he you know wanted me at two seventy two sixty five two seventy. And uh, I know that was that that just gave him a bad taste about me. And, like I say, I I don't think I was gonna be here um, if a certain guy didn't get hurt. Travis Long during the year that um, that um, you know uh, the first year I I was here because Travis Long get hurt and that's I know that's the guy that he wanted. I, they end up having to keep me and I end up playing really good that year uh, once I once I really got it. But yeah, man, just having all them different um, coordinators, you have to adjust. It's football at the end of the day, but it's like you got to you have to have really good coaches too to help you with your everyday of you know your individual drills or what you run and the the habits that you create and of you know good habits or bad habits like with with coaches sometimes you can create bad habits um doing certain stuff that really don't help you in your movement on how on where you need to be sometimes and and sometimes that kind of goes unnoticed uh but now I understand all that little stuff matters, what you do every day or how you lift and how you train it and how you uh, eating and doing all the little stuff. Um, man, during them times I had to change habits that I was, that I had formed for so long, uh, especially with myself. And yeah, I had to, I had to do, do it every year. It seemed like, cause I had so many coordinators. Yep. Well, it has worked out, as we said. You are now the longest-tenured athlete in this city with uh, Claude Giroux getting traded. Let's take a quick break here and come back. Ray, how about we go through the greatest year? Sure thing. Uh, Brandon Graham is our guest on Tell Us Your Story, sponsored by Meridian Bank, one of the area's best business banks. Learn why at meridianbanker.com. It is Brandon Graham with Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP. John's in trouble. Ball's knocked out by Graham. And recovered by Philadelphia. Is that going to win the ball game? Graham knocked it out. Vinny Curry recovered it. And that defensive front steps up and makes a play. Welcome back. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack. Now Saturday on 94 WIP. It is Tell Us Your Story, sponsored by Meridian Bank, one of the area's best business banks. Learn why at meridianbanker.com slash WIP. We are delighted to have Brandon Graham as our guest today. Ray? 
Yeah, Brandon Gramadank, everybody. Talk about a guy who needs no introduction. This is him. But just to give you an idea of some of the numbers here, 12 seasons, uh, he's played 161 games for the Philadelphia Eagles, which if you're keeping score, that's the most games played by any defensive lineman in this franchise's history. Uh, 59 sacks, ranks fourth in the team's history behind only Reggie White, uh, Clyde Simmons, and Trent Cole. Uh, has had a has had a great career, uh, and Brandon, as, as as you were talking about him, and, and right before the break, we were talking about all the different all the different coordinators and all the different coaches and all the changes that you had been through over the course of twelve seasons. But one of the things that um, it just seems to me probably must have helped you in your development was the caliber of guys you were going against every day in practice. And when you're talking about the practice every day, I mean, you're going up against Jason Peters, you know, and all through training camp and all through practice, you're going up against Peters, or if you flip to the other side, it's Lane Johnson, who are two, two of the best, well, Jason Peters in that time was, was the best offensive, not just the best tackle, but probably the best offensive lineman in all of football. And you're working against him every day. Um, and I'm sure that's one of the things that probably helped make you as good a player as you were even better, because Jason Peters never gave you a day off. Oh, yeah, and, you know, I started learning some of his tricks because, you know, what he would do sometimes, he would say, hey, man, don't don't go so hard, um, you know, on this play, man, I'm hurting right here, and then he'd try to tee off on you. <laughs> so I learned that early as a rookie because he got me one time, and I kind of came off like not messing, like not even messing around, but just didn't want to mess him up, and, boy, he was trying to make his work easy that day, and then after that, I didn't uh I didn't take it easy no more. And that really did help me it sharpened I mean, you know, iron sharpens iron. And so me and Lane now, uh, we always battling. We the first ones to go in uh one on ones, uh when it's that time. And man, I I really do credit, you know, being able to go against cal- high caliber guys like that. Uh I think uh who was that? Winston Justice was here. We used to go we used to go at it when uh when I first was here and that was good battles especially with me learning and we used to talk a lot on what he used to see from me and uh you know what 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 uh what should I expect from the linemen in the league and I had a lot of guys that was willing to give me information uh when I first got here so I I credit all them guys like Trent Cole was a big one because you know him and JP used to have battles all the time that's what made me really see what it took every day to you know, get the results because, as you know, Trent Cole used to man, he used to be out there <laughs> terrorizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I I, I loved um, I loved his move, and he only had one, and he was really good at it. And he just anything else uh, that came was just a counter move off whatever position he was in. He got out of and got to the quarterback. So uh, I, I had some good guys to look look up to and uh, go against every day too. So we talked about uh, you, you got uh, drafted here when Andy was the coach and then the chip era, uh, not as fond, and then Doug Peterson comes in. Um, and in the first year, the team gets better. It's okay. And then the second year, it becomes magical. And one of the things that I'm always curious about is at what point during the Super Bowl season did you and your teammates realize this could be something special? I think it was the Rams, the week of the Rams. Uh, when we all had to stay down there, uh, we was down there um, for a week. I was just like, man, this is crazy. We go to, we just lost to Seattle. Uh, I, you know what? That was Seattle. It was Seattle. I remember saying like, boy, this is a big test for us. If we if we beat Seattle, we talking because I haven't beat Seattle since I got in the league. I mean, never, never beat Seattle uh, since I since I've been here, and you know I was like, man, we beat Seattle, man, we talking, and so uh, we go out there, they place. Uh, I end up having what two? I think I had one and a half, one and a half sacks that game, and you know um, it was it was a it was a good it was a good game until it wasn't, and mm-hmm. we we end up losing, and I was like, man, you know what? I think we. We, we all right, you know. I just know that it was just one of them games that we just that we just had. You know, I just remember saying that. And uh, the week of when we met Kobe, I was like, man, when Kobe came in and the speeches oh, was yeah. hitting the way the way the speeches was, it just made me feel like, man, we got a shot. Cause we really do got a good team. And I started seeing like, damn, we got Legarrette Blunt who just won a championship. 
We got Chris Long, who just won the championship. We already got Malcolm, who won one. All these different guys, I remember saying, like, man, we really got some stuff going because uh, Marigos, uh, Chris Marigos came in, man. Yeah. He, his speeches used to be on fire. And it's just, I just started feeling that momentum, especially after Kobe talked to us, uh, meeting him. And I was like, man, we really got a shot. And we and our record was I forgot at that time. I think we only lost two at that time. Right. And man, we yeah, we I really did feel like um we we, we was gonna win the Super Bowl. I felt like at that point I was like, Man, we really do got a shot to win this thing because of how we was just going through people. When we scored fifty on the Broncos, that's when I was like, Yeah, yeah we we doing something. The feeling you're um you're 100% right, Brandon. I mean, you, I think everybody that was around the team kind of felt it. I mean, you guys felt it the most because you were living it, but everybody around it, you could just kind of feel there was something really special going. And, you know, the West Coast trip was a, was a big one. You're right. The Kobe speech really fired everybody up, and then you go out and you play a good Rams team, and you win. And But in the same game, you lose Carson Wentz, who's having the greatest season of his career, and at that point was the MVP. And it just seems like at that point this season that everything was going right, all of a sudden, here here you lose your quarterback right at that moment. What was it that allowed the team to pull together? Because everybody, I mean, Doug Peterson kind of said he said, "Listen, we're just going to rally behind Nick Foles and we're going to keep playing good football." But how did that? How did that? How did that take over the team? I mean, how did the guys man to man feel like? Okay, now we we're in this position. We got a chance, but now we got to do it with our backup quarterback. Well, Malcolm Jenkins stepped in at that time uh, when it happened because when we was in there celebrating because we just had Clint's, Clint start division, we got the hats and stuff out. And um, next thing you know, uh, Malcolm come in and he was just saying, like, we know one of our brothers went down, but we got another brother that's going to take us to the promised land. And that, that boy we uh, is Nick Foles, and we're going to have to rally behind him. And, you know, it don't matter. He was like, you know, for us as a defense, y'all boys get us three points on the board. Ain't nobody scoring on us. Like, you know, it's just like that. That's that's how we got to step it up. And, you know, uh, if the offense score, score 14 points or whatever, you know what I'm saying, we going to make sure we keep uh, keep the score down uh, because of the defense we're going to be playing. And, you know, he just stepped up in that moment and just made everybody believe that the main goal is still the main goal, and that's the Super Bowl. And, man, everybody just kind of went back to partying after that. But I felt like that was a moment where he had everybody's attention, especially knowing we just figuring out that he tore his ACL because we didn't know what happened. We knew that he went in and nobody was saying nothing yet, and then we we got the news, and then Malcolm brought us up, and then Doug said what he said after that, and I don't think it, nobody flinched uh, after that. It's around that time. And by the way, after that Rams game, you guys beat the Giants, you beat the Raiders. Uh, week 16, nobody played. Uh, against the Cowboys, but you went in with the best record in the conference and still an underdog on all those playoff games, and that's kind of around the time that the whole underdog thing started with the dog masks and so on. How did how did that begin, and how did that kind of infuse the team? So us being the underdog, uh, the, the one, you know, losing at our own home, you know, the first game against the Falcons, uh, it was kind of a slap in the face. And I think uh, Lane and uh, Chris Long and them came out with the dog mask or the underdog, and we just went with it, you know, because I remember people being mad saying, dang, we're not even favored in our own home. And mm-hmm. we, now we got the record and all this little stuff, and that just we just took offense to it. And I remember them boys, I mean, Lane and all them didn't say what they was going to bring them dog masks out, but – uh, when they brought them out, that's when the underdog stuff really took off. And, man, it's, I just felt like that was our team. A lot of guys that that was unwanted and that was uh, that was hungry for something uh, end up, you know, uh, coming here, and we, we, was, we just took on that role of the underdogs. And, man, it fit well for the team that we had. And uh, I think it was just genius by Chris Long and uh, – in in uh, lane, <laughs> we're just coming with the dog mask. It certainly and united the fans as well with the team. Yeah, it was it was a perfect it was a perfect fit. It was the perfect it was the perfect gesture and the perfect identity at the perfect time. And you know the 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 playoff run, you guys have home field and you guys had been really good 
at the link all year. I don't know if you realize, even realize this, Brandon. Do you realize that your defense didn't give up a single rushing touchdown at the link that entire season? Ooh, I didn't even know, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> your, your defense did not give up a single rushing touchdown at the link the whole regular season or the postseason, which is pretty amazing. I don't know if that's ever been done before, but you guys did it. Ooh. And you fought, yeah, your way, you, fought your way, you fought your way through a really tough game against Atlanta. Uh, a game which I, I don't think you ever came off the field. I think you played every snap, uh, and then the yeah, next, we, and then the next week mm-hmm. you play. The next week you play Minnesota, who's a really good team. Uh, again, they're the favorites. Uh, and one of the key plays of this whole championship run comes in that game when you're down seven nothing, and Patrick Robinson intercepts that pass, takes it back for a pick six, and totally flips the game around. And from that point on, you own the Vikings. But that, that you know, when you talk about the key plays of that season, you know, Patrick's play there is really one of the key plays of the season. Yes, it was, because, man, they scored so fast. At first. I remember saying, man, that was five plays. Man, they scored quick. That tight end, uh, Randolph, man, he, he straight up Rudolph. I remember Najee Good came to the sideline like, that's my bad. That's my bad, y'all. Uh, cause, uh, cause that was his man. And we was like, we got you, man. And, and then we went three and out and then bam, they got back on the field. We like, oh man. And we know how they defense was and people was talking like how good they defense is and all they need to do is manage the game. Uh, they defense going to take over. I remember saying, uh, them saying that. And when Patrick made that play, you right. It was just like, Man, we just took off after that. And that boy Nick flows, you know, throwing dimes and flea flickers and we just oh man, it was they pulled out all the stops because it was it was just that close to get to the Super Bowl and, and coach just didn't hold back. So every player dreams of getting to the Super Bowl. Every player dreams of winning the Super Bowl, but before we have you winning it, let's talk about what it felt like when you beat the Vikings and you're gonna go to, to the Super Bowl to Minneapolis. Um, what was it like those couple of weeks? Were you were you nervous? Were you confident? Were what was it like? Man, it was, leading up to the uh, getting there. I mean, you know, it was. I was so nervous, you know, uh, because it's just like, man, like, boy, we about to we about to play Brady now. We about to play uh, the guy that 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 I didn't seen win last year against the Falcons. And the way he did, and it's like, man, we got them the first one. And I remember my daddy saying, um, "Man, hey boy, y'all beat them. Y'all talking, y'all, y'all, y'all for real, then, because because you know it's hard to beat Brady." And I, I kind of looked at him like, "Man, and we got a shot for real. Like Brady, Brady can be beat." And I remember saying that to him. I was like, "You know what?" Can't nobody take this one away if we do beat Brady and can't say that, oh, man, you won against these guys. They wasn't as good. It's like, no, nah, you're going against the main one, Brady, and you're going to have to earn it. And I just remember us just saying that. And um, Jim Schwartz, I think, did I know did a great job uh, leading up and keeping us at ease because, you know, him being with Bilitech and uh, with us having two weeks on him, we worked on a lot of stuff that we, we didn't do well with during the year. Uh, like the first player of the, of the game, we ran that screen so many times in practice uh, because he knew that he was gonna hit us in areas that we didn't like. They let, like they were, ran a couple traps. We let them hit us on a couple traps in the game, uh, but I know that was one that we practiced a lot, and they actually did it. And they did the screen, the um, fake receivers where it was like fake one way, and then hurry up and throw it back to the the receiver on the backside and. Everybody like we what we didn't do good on that play all year. In the first play, Malcolm Jenkins, bam, TFL. It's like man, it's like we just was so prepared for that game. Even though they had five hundred some, I just felt like we we was in position most of the time. But they players made plays, and um, I think that uh you know just us hanging in there and and obviously Nick Foles playing the game that he had because man he don't score points. We're not going to win that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember so, one of the things that you said during the week in one of your interviews was, was so – you were so right when you said it, was you said, listen, the key on our de- on defense this week is we got to keep coming. we just got to keep coming. Because you know how good mm-hmm. Brady is, and you know how hard, how hard they're going to make it to, for you guys to get to him. 
And, of course, he threw the ball 49 times. You hadn't touched him all day. But you said, I don't know, it was Wednesday or Thursday, one of your interviews, the key that and the coaches are telling us, and we know it, we just got to keep coming. We got to keep coming. Yeah. We got to keep coming. Not get discouraged. And when you look back at the play that you made, I mean, that, that, that play that you made there that kind of saves the game really is just a keep coming play. I mean, you just fight your way through the blocks until you finally got there and knocked the ball away from him. Yep, because it was that one time where he didn't get rid of the ball as fast as he normally was getting rid of the ball, and bam, there you go. Like, you know, and that's the the play to help you win it right there. You know, and that was just like, wow. I just couldn't believe it when I actually – when I got past uh, Shaq Mason, it was – I could just see myself zeroing in on him, and then I seen the ball, and I just kind of closed my eyes and – put my hand in the area of the ball and I was like wow I couldn't believe he was still there when uh when I got there (laughs) (laughs) do you say do you still have do you still have it on your cell phone oh yeah I still watch it man uh, I'm gonna go watch it at the at after talking about it with y'all, I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the next step, which is the, the parade, um, which I think for so many people in this town, uh, and, and how many were there, Ray? A million and a half, whatever? They said a million and a half, and I think they were a million short. They were, had, yeah, they were okay. over two million. Uh, for so yeah. many of us, we'll, we'll remember that day as much as the Super Bowl. What ta- Take us through your day on the parade. So we get there uh, to the link. Uh, we we all waiting uh, to get get on the buses and stuff. So we just kind of have breakfast. They got food and stuff for, for everybody, and everybody just kind of mingling and talking about the game. And can't believe we about to have a parade. Seeing all the people, you know, just outside. That's outside across at the Philly Stadium. Like it's just like a tunnel of people where they where we can see we about to go out the parking lot. Uh, and you could just see all these people on Broad Street getting set up. I mean, it was it was so many people. It was man, it was it was such a uh, you know su- such a great moment because I remember just taking pictures of just all the people that we seen. And man, we get on that bus, and and I didn't realize that it was gonna be two hours that we was gonna be it was gonna take to get up to uh, to uh, to the stairs, but. Man, people was throwing beers. They were throwing like so much stuff, uh, memorabilia for you to sign, and then we would throw it back to the crowd. Whoever got it, got it. But it was man, it was so much fun, so much yelling. I lost my voice because it was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got to take a break because you've been yelling for almost thirty minutes straight because you ain't even make it. You didn't even make it past. What's that broad in um, uh, Oregon right there? Man, oh, that's I'm the beginning, tired. yeah. <laughs> that's the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, whoo, man, we still got a long way. And But you know what was so cool? When I actually took my little breaks, I started to see people all in windows, like people high up in buildings once we got like toward the downtown area. You're seeing people hanging out the windows and just, excited it was it was such an exciting time so many smiles people crying and just can't believe that we actually having the parade and man that was my first ever championship that i ever won i never even got to the end to even lose it i never got to a championship game in my in my career so to actually make it to the super bowl and go win it man it was everything for me and to actually make a play against a guy that i grew up watching uh, man, it was it makes it that much sweeter. And so, man, I'm just I'm still in awe of everything because it's like, man, it just came and went so fast. And I, I hope to get another taste of it one more time. Yeah, you're not alone there. I think the whole city's with mm-hmm. you, and the, the people here are still um, there's still a glow in the town and the, and the fan base for for that whole ride and that whole Super Bowl and the way you won it and the parade was it really was. Glenn used the term magical, and it really was. But the next biggest thrill, I mean, after that. Uh, is the 2020 season when you, after having played as long as you had played and accomplished all you had accomplished, you finally got voted in your first Pro Bowl. And I know that's something you always wanted. Uh, that was sort of that one box you needed to check. Uh, and in 2020, you get it. And I remember when Doug Peterson announced it to the press um, that, that the team had found out. He said that the, there were actually the coaches in the coaches' room. Actually, guys had tears in their eyes. They were so happy for you that you got that recognition because they knew what it meant to you. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, 
I know that me and Swartz talked about it a little bit too. And, uh, and it was just like, man, I just couldn't believe it because he always talked about the respect he had for guys that played 10 plus years and man, still be playing at a high level. And, um, you know, I, st- I felt like, uh, Swartz, you know, as he continued to keep, I, I mean, I had him for what, five years. It was just like, man, I started to, you know, see a different side to him, you know, cause he used to be a little hardcore, not really hardcore, but just, he was, he just was to himself a lot. And, you know, he, he you knew he was going to ride for you because uh, how much he put in, he always working, but he always say, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to, I'm here to do a job and to make sure y'all get somewhere in y'all career. And so he always say, I don't have no friends. I just, this is my friend. The, the, the football, football is my friend. I want to make sure y'all take it serious. And he used to always be, you know, he had jokes here and there, but most of the time he was he was straight, you know, straight to the point, serious. And so to see him break down and be be happy for me like that, man, I was hyped. I was hyped, you know. <laughs> I would imagine. Brandon Graham is our guest, obviously. Uh, Brandon, between 2012 and 2020, nine seasons, you only missed one game. And then last year, week two, uh, torn Achilles uh, ended your season. How tough was it to watch when you were out injured? You know what? It was it was it was tough in the beginning because you knew I knew how I felt going into this season and what I was doing and how everything was coming together and then bam, you get hurt. Man, I was um you know, I was kind of salty at first <laughs> cuz mm-hmm. it was like ah cuz you know, it's just you have all these goals and you're talking with your teammates and you build these bonds and then now I got to sit on the sideline and, you know, watch everybody. But what what I what I tried to do, well, what I did do, um, I just went against that. I was like, you know what? I said at first, I was like, man, I ain't watching football. I ain't doing this because I just, ah, I'm sick. But then I was like, no, nah, you know what? I'm going to help somebody during this time because before you know it, you'll be back. And you be doing stuff, and it's and it's really how you handle it um, when you go when you when you had to go through something. And so, I tried to like once I changed my mindset about it, um, you know, I started to feel better, and the time started flying, and you know, I was able to be there to help guys and, and tell them what I see because a lot of guys, you know, respect my opinion on watching film and, and 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 seeing where I can help them be better. And you know, I just I just took a joy in that becoming a coach. Uh, for the year mm-hmm. and and trying to coach the guys up i had Deuce staley tell me man learn the guy see the see the see the game from a different view like really you know start he start giving me little assignments to do and you know stuff like that and it, and it really do is gonna help me moving forward because i'm like dang now i can see the how why coaches do what they do being up in the coaches box and hearing them make calls and really action like so what made you? Because they like to do this. This coach like to do this. He's very aggressive. He, he like to come here, so we gonna hit him with this. This is why we doing this. And I'm like, ooh, okay. Now I understand a little more uh, from you know what the coach is thinking to you know something that can help me in the game. When I see certain formations, this is what comes out of it, and this is why they do this. And I mean, man, it just it just they want you to be able to coach. Uh, why you playing? And so that's what that was my goal this year to try to you know see it from a coach's view, uh, than than the players and see you know exactly how coaches why coaches call why they why they call what they call. So right. Yeah, it's, it was a good year for for that. Yeah, but of course you know an Achilles tear is not an easy thing to come back from, and you're at 33, it's it's doubly hard. Um, mm-hmm. And I know um, you know I, I know it was your intention that that isn't how you wanted your career to end. You wanted to you wanted to come back and you wanted to end on your own terms. So, but the big part is the yeah. rehab, and that's what you've been going through. And you know today before you talked to us, you had another workout. You you went through it again to try and get ready. How are you feeling right now? How's the rehab going? And how optimistic are you about being ready to get going when the new season starts? And you know what? This has been the like it's like what you just said. I thought it was gonna be as hard, but my tissue and everything has been really good. And how um, how my trainer explains it to me, say you make rehab look easy. And so that's what he was more excited about. That I really haven't had too many issues, you know. And now I've, I'm in a point now where I'm just doing exactly what I normally would do during the off season because. I'm feeling the same way. I mean, I'm feeling like how Cam Akers 
spell at six months. Like the six months uh, is next week, and I'm, I already feel like I can do football stuff already, you know, and I'm doing some of that stuff now. Uh, but, you know, just trying to make sure I do everything at, at every checkpoint where it's like, okay, the six-month mark, now we can start ramping it up even more. But how I feel right now, I feel like I could have been did that. But I, since I got time, I'm just, you know, enjoying the whole process because I know uh, by June – I should be uh, – well, I'm out of rehab after that, and I'm just kind of doing everything that I normally would do during the off season, and I'm really just trying to get get ready for training camp. But I'm going to be ready. Uh, I'm going to be excited, man. I'm going to go do everything, you know, I could do for the last year of my deal, and I'm going to just, man, enjoy this whole year. I said I'm not rushing anything because, you know, you know how fast time is flying, and so I'm going to try to enjoy every day and put it all – that I can into it, um, you know, just because I know the end is near. All right, so last question then. Um, and we talked earlier about how, you know, at the beginning of your career, you and Philadelphia and the fans didn't exactly see it, see eye to eye. Uh, you are now, as we mentioned, the longest tenured athlete in Philadelphia and certainly somebody who, through your play and really through the way you've been uh, conducted yourself in this city for all these years, a favorite. Uh, what does it mean to you to kind of have that title of longest tenured athlete in Philadelphia and to know how the fans, how highly the fans regard you? Well, you know, I, I'm at, I'm at a point now where I just, I'm, I'm so, you know, appreciative and thankful, you know, for this moment because I didn't even see this moment coming where, you know, I would be the longest tenured Eagle or athlete in this, in Philadelphia and then, um, you know, on top of that, be the, you know, played as many games as I played as a defensive player, uh, here in Philly. And man, I'm just, I don't take this for granted. I, I try to, um, you know, I want it to be, I want to stay here, you know, at least two or three more years to get to 15 and then I'll pass the torch to somebody else after that. <laughs> well, Brandon, listen, we, we thank you. We thank you for your time today. We thank you for all of those years and more to come. Uh, we thank you for the strip sack. That that maybe I should put that first. But um, <laughs> thanks for being our guest today on Tell Us Your Story, sponsored by Meridian Bank, one of the area's best business banks. Learn why at meridianbanker.com/wip. Brandon, uh, be well, and we can't wait to see you in training camp. No, I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you, right. Brandon. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.